If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First of all, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Episode 5, Unpacking the Economic Stimulus Package for COVID-19. You are now listening to the Faith on Fire podcast, a pod for financial literacy, coaching, and real-life examples on how to transform your finances. I'm your host, Simone Brumel. Follow me on my path to financial freedom, and I'll give you tips on how to start and continue yours. Money is a tool, so learn how to use it wisely. everyone thank you again for listening hope everyone is doing okay and staying safe in this bizarre time we are facing as most of the country is quarantined or sheltering in place we're getting adjusted to a new normal so this may be your second or third week sheltered in so i hope you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally. Uh, I know this is a financial podcast, but how we're doing physically and mentally always takes precedence over our financial status. Because if we aren't doing well, it doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. So first and foremost, I just wanted to encourage everyone to make sure you are taking care of yourself and looking out for others, your friends and family in this really sensitive time. Make sure you're being super cautious if you are going outside and only for essentials and finding ways to practice self-care while you're quarantined, whatever that may be for you. If it's taking more time to rest or planning, reading, FaceTiming friends or talking to others, whatever you need to do to make sure you make it out of this quarantine hole. And hopefully when we're on the other side of this, we'll be more prepared to, we'll be more prepared and more social and better human beings for it. So today's episode, I wanted to talk about some of the economic changes as a result of coronavirus or COVID-19. We've seen a lot of action through Congress to deal with this pandemic and to just adjust to a new normal. So I wanted to talk about those things that have an economic effect and go through some of the highlights of the recent changes. So. The most popular piece of the legislation is the $2 trillion CARES Act, 
which is what Congress refers to as phase three of their efforts to stabilize the economy in response to COVID-19. So I'll mostly focus on the phase three act since that has most of the economic legislation, but I'll give highlights of the other changes in law and how it would affect you and give some suggestions on how you can use the benefits obviously the stimulus payment talk about how to determine if you're eligible for a check if so how much and give some ideas on how you can maximize that payment okay so phase one of congress's response was what they passed on March 6th. They called that the Coronavirus Preparedness and Response Supplemental Appropriations Act. Now, a lot of these names are really long, but I'll just give it to you for reference because it'll help you if you're ever listening to the news and they talk about one bill versus the other, you have a little context. So this phase one bill was an $8.3 billion spending package that focused on testing, treatments, vaccines, and telehealth provisions. So the second phase they passed on March 18th, and that was called the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. And this legislation focused on providing sick leave, paid sick leave, and tax credits, and free COVID-19 testing. As they started to expand this program and legislation to start dealing with the actual effects people were facing. So as people were being laid off or their jobs were shutting down, Congress passed legislation to provide funding for paid sick leave, which is usually administered by states, improving tax credits and the testing. It also expanded food food assistance programs and unemployment benefits and increased Medicaid funding. This bill also deferred the tax payment deadline. So if you remember around that time, This is when it was announced that if you had tax payments due, they were deferring that payment 90 days. So around this time, this is when Congress was starting to think about the economic effects to citizens across across the country and started to discuss how they were going to provide relief for everyone. So... So between March 18th and the 27th, Congress was working on phase three of their legislation, which ultimately became the $2 trillion Coronavirus Aid, Relief and Economic Security Act, or the CARES Act. So this is the legislation that has most of the economic stimulus laws that we've heard about over the past week or so. So what's in this $2 trillion bill? A lot of stuff, honestly. And if we think back 
And if you listen to the episode where we were talking about taxes a little bit, this is along the same line of legislatures trying to figure out how to spend money and passing laws to do that. And this is just in a shorter time period. So it's them hearing from citizens over social media and people calling their state and local legislators as well as their congressmen and women to voice their concerns. And of course, everyone has an opinion as to what relief should look like, but this is the bill we have. So the bill covers economic relief for businesses as well as individuals. And a lot of people have an opinion as to the allocation of support or stimulus for businesses versus what was provided for individuals. I'll just go over what the bill actually does. So on the business side, there are a couple of key areas to look out for. So one of the big things Congress has in this bill is an employee retention credit. So one of their main concerns is businesses having mass layoffs. So what they provided was a temporary refundable 50% employee retention credit for employers, which is a credit against their payroll taxes to encourage employers to keep their employees. The second thing they did for businesses was to delay payroll tax payments. So helping to alleviate any cash flow issues businesses face now that everything has pretty much come to a a screeching halt, allowing businesses to free up cash for other things, other debt payments, payroll, whatever it is, giving them some time and improving their cash flow. Another provision they have, which was focused for small businesses, is a small business loan provision, which allows small businesses to take out a loan and to the extent they keep all their employees and don't have layoffs, they don't have to pay back that loan over a period of time. From a business perspective, The main goal of Congress seemed to be to ensure that businesses keep their employees because they want to keep the American people working and their perspective of stimulus for businesses is to give them whatever backing they need to keep employees working. On the individual side, I think there's three key provisions to point out here. So the first thing to talk about is the provisions related to unemployment benefits. So Congress passed laws that would increase the funding for federal unemployment. After the official shutdown And when the economy started to really take a hit and businesses were closing, 
we saw a record number of unemployment claims being filed. So unemployment is usually paid and provided for at the state level. But what this CARES Act does is provides an additional $600 from the federal government in addition to whatever your unemployment benefits are calculated by your state. And this applies if you were already on an, on unemployment. So if you were already collecting benefits, you're still eligible for this additional $600. And if you are specifically laid off due to COVID, you are eligible for whatever your state calculated unemployment is as well as this $600 benefit. The payments will last until July 31st and they're expected to begin on April 5th. So this was one of the first things Congress wanted to do to get money directly into the hands of people who lost their jobs because of this shutdown. The second and most popular piece of this bill are the recovery rebate checks or stimulus payments. It's the one-time rebate check paid to families based on your income, either from 2018 or 2019. So before I go into the details, one thing to note, they call it a rebate check. This payment is technically an advance on a credit that will be on our 2020 tax returns. So if your income in 2020 is higher than what you would have received in 2019, you won't be penalized for getting this rebate now. And if your income and if your income is lower and you're eligible for more payments, you'll see that on your 2020 return as well. So if you haven't already heard, the stimulus payments are up to $1,200 for individuals or $2,400 for married couples and $500 for every qualifying child. So starting with the kids, that's $500 for every dependent child under the age of 17. So there's a lot of concern for dependent children who are over 17. So that's usually the college students or people who aren't necessarily out on their own yet as adults. They technically don't get any money because they're not filing their own return and they're not getting that $500 per child check. Now for the individuals or married couples, this $1,200 or $2,400 is on a scale based on your income. So a single filer that, or a single individual that makes over $75,000 and it's technically on your adjusted gross income on your tax return, but for just to make it, just for easier computation, we'll say 75,000 salary. 
anyone making over that amount will start to see the payment phase out. And it completely phases out if you make more than $99,000 as an individual. The same thing on the same thing as a married couple, you'll start to see the payment phase out if you make over $150,000 as a couple. And it's completely phased out if you make over $198,000 a year as a joint couple with no children. If you have children, that phase out range adjusts for each child on your return. So there may be some calculations or things for you to consider based on how many children you have and what is on your tax return. Now, these checks will be issued by the IRS based on either your 2019 tax return, and that's the return that originally was due on the 15th of April, but now you have an extended deadline through to July 15th. They're using the information on that return, or if you have not filed yet, they're going to use your 2018 return. Now, they are encouraging people to file their 2019 return as soon as possible. Obviously, it's better for them, of course, to have the most up-to-date information, but they are trying to get payments out as soon as possible. They haven't released a date and the legislation did not specify a date of payment, but Congress is seeing a lot of pressure to get money in the hands of Americans as soon as possible. So. If they don't have 2019 return information, it will be based on your 2018 return. Now, if you have neither of those filed, they're going to follow social security benefit statements. Now, if you have neither of those filed, you wanna go ahead and file your 2018 return. So the question could be asked, what if I don't have a 2018 return or a 2019 return? Now it depends. If you are not filing those returns because you either didn't make enough money to have a filing requirement or you're on some type of social security or disability payment and you're not required to file a return, they're working on provisions to follow social security benefit statements to get payments to you because Technically, that means you qualify for the full amount. So they don't need to check if there's any phase out limit for you because you meet the requirement to get the full payment. Now, if the reason you don't have a return filed is not because you didn't make enough money, is because you just haven't filed your 2018 return, then you need to file a 2018 return because there is no information available for you to receive a payment. Now, another thing to consider is your income may be drastically different from 2018 to 2019. So if you switch jobs from 2018 to 2019 and made significantly less, you probably wanna go ahead and file that 2019 return to get accurate information because maybe you would have phased out if you use your 2018 income but based on 2019 you probably deserve the full amount so whatever it is you need to examine your own personal situation to understand what you can expect now the last provision of this bill i want to cover is some of the special rules they put in place 
as it relates to retirement funds. So one of the big things that people usually panic about when they see the market plummeting is their retirement savings in 401k. And the general rule is if you're not near retirement age and you're not facing an emergency, leave your 401k or your retirement savings or your investments alone and the market will bounce back. Obviously, there's a portion of the population who are actually at retirement age and we're starting to make withdrawals, so that doesn't apply to them. But what if you're in a situation and you need emergency cash and your only options is to pull from a retirement fund, what the IRS implemented were special rules to include a temporary waiver of the 10% early withdrawal penalty for distributions up to $100,000 due to coronavirus-related purposes. The, The main goal of this provision is to ease the pressure on people who need emergency cash for health-related reasons, whatever it is, you had an emergency situation come up because of the coronavirus and you do have money, but it's tied up in retirement funds. Congress included this provision to waive that penalty for early withdrawals because the big reason people, the big reason financial advisors will tell you not to withdraw money from your retirement fund It's not only for saving and making sure you have for retirement and having a plan, but the IRS imposes really high and strict penalties on that money. And it sometimes, and and it usually makes it not worth, worth it to pull out that money. Of course, if you're in an emergency situation, you have to do what needs to be done to meet your needs and what's best for your family. And because of coronavirus, Congress waives that fee to just make it easier on the American people. So before we talk about some practical ways to implement implement these payments or plan for your family, it's important to note that Congress is considering what they're calling a phase four legislation. So one of the main criticisms of this bill or law now is that it's great that they have payments to individuals, but they could be doing more for the American people. So as much as they did for businesses and these payments to American people, Lawmakers are considering other ways to stimulate the economy and support Americans during this time as we face so much uncertainty as to what's ahead. So we may see future future legislation that provides additional payments and overall stimulus, economic stimulus injections from the government as they're trying to do what they can to avoid recession and even 
more so a depression. So if we think about these stimulus payments, the first thing you want to determine is if you're going to receive any at all. And as I was saying before, that starts with your 2018 or 2019 tax return. So if you were not claimed as a dependent on someone else's return and have filed your taxes for 2019, you want to make sure that your income is not outside of the threshold. So if you're an individual, you're checking if you made over $75,000 for the year. If you made $80,000, your check phases out to $950. At $85,000, it goes to $700. At $90,000, it goes to $450. At $95,000, it goes to $200. And as I mentioned before, anything over $99,000 is completely phased out. And that's assuming, again, you have no children. For every child under 17 years old, you're eligible for, they're eligible for $500. And on the married filing jointly side, if you make over 160, if you make $160,000 jointly, that payment is $1,900. If you make $170,000 jointly, the payment is $1,400. At $180,000, it's $900. $190,000 and anything over $198,000 for a married couple is phased out completely. Again, assuming no children. You want to determine how much you're expecting from this stimulus payment. And if you're not phased out and you actually will be receiving a check, think about how you're gonna use that money. Of course, if you are not working or, or you're having cash flow issues, you're probably gonna use this payment to meet your immediate needs. Most states have implemented mortgage relief programs where most banks are giving an average of 90 days where they are deferring payments for mortgage as well as rents, but you still may have other bills that you need to attend to. Um, For the most part, companies are implementing programs to help families affected by COVID. So you may have some leeway as to different utilities or debt you may have but the first thing you want to do is make sure those needs are met your food housing and necessary transportation if those things are covered or you're still working and able to cover your needs you may want to start thinking about making debt payments so as i mentioned most banks are open to work with you and suspend mortgage payments it's important to note you'll have to reach out to them directly so it's not just a overall suspension but if you reach out to your lender for the most part they are working with customers to accommodate them but if you feel like 
you are able to make your mortgage payments, you may consider making additional payments during this time to pay down debt. Now, as we start talking about paying down debt, it's important to have a debt pay down plan. If you have multiple loans, that's a a mortgage or a car note, any student loan debt or credit card debt you have. Outside of COVID, you should have a debt payment plan as to how you're going to attack that debt. Now, and paying the minimum payment on all of your debt is important, but you're not going to get out of that in a timely fashion unless you are strategically attacking it. So to the extent you have a debt payment plan, you can consider using the stimulus check to make an extra payment. And again, that's if your immediate needs are met and you're comfortable, that's something you can consider doing. In addition to mortgage payments possibly being suspended, federal student loan interest is suspended. And the good thing with that is you actually don't have to do anything. Any federal student loan servicer has defaulted to the interest being zero. So if you're continuing your student loan payments, anything you pay now would go directly to the principal. And again, if you can afford it and you're not facing hardship, this could be great for you to start accelerating some of your student loan payments if that wasn't already in your plans. Or if, again, you are having trouble paying, this interest can be suspended, the interest is suspended, and they are not penalizing borrowers for missing payments. Of course, you want to reach out to your service provider to make sure You have that conversation with them, probably in an email because it's less likely to get someone on the phone right now, but it's a good time to reach out to your loan providers. An important caveat is that that interest suspension is specific to federal student loans. So if you have private student loans, you'll have to reach out to those service providers directly. And that's your Sally Mays, your Navians, etc., etc. The other option you have with this stimulus payment is building up your emergency fund. And this is something we, this was something I mentioned on the last podcast, but emergency savings are super important. And I think that is one of the biggest takeaways from this economic shutdown. Now, This emergency is a little different than what most people plan for, because typically you're thinking about loss of a job or a sickness where the emergency is more isolated to you and your individual situation. What we're currently facing is a global economic issue. So it's not only about having emergency funds because of a loss of income, but we're seeing expenses possibly going up because you're sick or just the overall situation that our economy is in is slightly different, but to the extent you have an emergency fund, it does give you a little buffer so that whatever the uncertainty we're facing over the next few weeks or months, you're not concerned about how to meet your needs. Now, there's many ways to calculate an emergency fund. 
whether that's six weeks of your take-home pay or three months of expenses. Some people plan for six months of expenses. Whatever it is, it's so important for you to have cash on hand in a savings account that you can access in times of emergency. And an emergency fund is different from having money invested as because as we see in this pandemic is that when people start pulling money out of the market that's when we see things tanking so you want your emergency fund to be as liquid as possible and if you currently don't have an emergency fund i strongly suggest you use this cash to start one and i'll say it again if you don't have your needs met it will be pretty difficult to start an emergency fund because you'll need to use that money to take care of needs right now. And then the last option, if you are meeting all your needs, food and housing and transportation, if you have an accurate debt pay down plan and everything is controlling and everything is in control or you have no debt, and if you already have a if you already have a secure emergency fund, the other thing you want to consider is investing. And again, we talked about this a little on the last podcast, but it's a great time to get into the stock market and start to build an investment portfolio. So I hope that breakdown was helpful for you. Feel free to follow me on social media, where I post additional updates as we go into continued COVID recovery. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Faith on Fire LLC. I'm on Twitter too, at SB Faith on Fire. And of course, continue to listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. If you're an Apple Podcast listener, please rate and leave comments and share with others. Okay, I wanted to add a bonus book segment for this month since I've been home and had a lot more time to read. I have two books I wanted to recommend to you that I really enjoyed. And continuing with the women's history theme, even though it's the it's already April, the last two books I read were by two great women. The first book entitled Be Brave, Not Perfect, written by Reshma Sojani. Now, she's the founder of Girls Who Code. And this is a great book for women's history. And I really recommend it for parents of young girls or any woman seeking to overcome that perfect girl stigma that is sometimes 
put on women at a young age. Girls are typically socialized to be perfect, to do the right thing. And in this book, Reshma encourages women and parents raising young girls to embrace bravery and encourage overcoming failures in young women. Teach them that bravery is not an inherently male trait, but a necessary skill for success. As the founder of Girls Who Code, she gives examples of the struggles girls typically face in trying to learn that fail fast skill that is so important in the tech world. And it's overall just a really great encouragement for women to overfear, overcome the fear of getting it wrong. The second book I recommend is Lead from the Outside by Stacey Abrams by Stacey Abrams. If you haven't heard of her, she was the Democratic candidate for governor in Georgia that ran this past election cycle. And her book focuses on minority leadership when you are the first or only who is going up for a leadership position, whether in politics or just in your everyday life. I found this book to be a great read for anyone in corporate America or in a social situation where you find yourself as a minority trying to change the culture or stigma of where you are. She gives really good practical advice on being a leader and implementing change from the outside. Her tips are very relatable and her story as well. She talks about her student loan debt and how she sets goals and plans for her life and how she executes and reaches those goals and talks about how she overcomes situations where she may not have performed as expected. All right, that's it for this episode. I hope you found information that's helpful for you going into these uncertain times. Especially want to wish everyone a happy and healthy Easter when it comes. And please continue to be safe and protect yourself physically as well as mentally. All right, everyone, stay safe.